So what do you think, brothers and sisters, might have driven this tax collector to the temple? As we reflect upon this parable that Jesus has told his disciples, and now we get to listen in upon. Why would a tax collector go to the temple? Does he just wake up one day and say, you know what? I think I'm just going to change my life. I think that's just going to be a good idea. I'm going to go to the temple and pray. Does he decide to lament and beat his breast and beg God for mercy just out of the blue? Does somebody just decide, you know what? I think I'm just going to humble myself today. I think I'm just going to, you know, I mean, I'm having a pretty good day. I'm having a pretty good life, but I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to the temple. I'm going to pray. I'm going to beat my chest. I'm not even going to look up to heaven. I'm going to say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That doesn't make any sense, does it? There's got to be more to that story when we look at this parable. If we know anything about human beings, we know that if our life is going okay, we rarely repent. If our life is doing, if things are hunky-dory, if things are, are at least not too hard or too bad, we don't go to the temple or the church and beat our chest and throw ourselves on the ground. We only do that when things get bad. Like that widow we talked about last week whose life was so hard that she pestered that judge. Or like that leper whose was, life was so hard that when he was healed, he threw himself at Jesus' feet. It's only when we're desperate that we do such audacious things. Tax collectors didn't just walk into church. They weren't probably normal church-going types. They probably weren't your, your Sunday school teachers or anything like that. They didn't show up, shake hands, say, how's it going? Everybody's doing good today. All right, we've got a little bit of little Jesus in our lives, and now we're going to go out and try to still be good people. That wasn't the tax collector's job. That's what Pharisees would do. That's what religious people do. That, that's what people who generally would have good intentions about one's relationship with God would do, but not a tax collector. Why would this guy get up and go and be the way that he does? You know, maybe he realized something. I think that something had to happen to this guy. Something, he came to a place where Whatever little world he was building crumbled. He came to a place where something was revealed to him. He came to a point where he knew he could not keep living this way and be true to who he really was or even to who God is, whatever his theology is. Maybe he realized that the money he was taking off of the top more than he needed to. Maybe he realized that that extra money was just not all it was cracked up to be. Maybe he knew it wouldn't buy him what he really was wanting, whether it's happiness or fulfillment or a sense of worth or, or whatever. Maybe this tax collector was walking down the street one day and he saw a hungry and starving child. And he realized that that child's father is someone that he has been extorting money from, withholding and keeping too much for himself. And he realized that the result of his actions, the effect of his actions, was that children were in the streets starving. 
had to be something. Somewhere in there, this man realized that he needed to change his life. Something got to him. Something penetrated him. He had some kind of revelation. You know, there's a lot of things in the world that are that way. That's kind of how life works a lot of times. People tend to go chase after things in life, and we tend to think these are good things, these are good for us, they feel good, they make us feel good, they, we know they're going to get us down the road just a little bit, but in the long run, those good things are not self-sustaining, whether it's the way we spend our money or the, our habits, whatever that is. And somewhere along the way, the newness wears off somewhere along the way it is no longer a sustainable way of living somewhere along the way comes a breaking point it happens in marriages it happens when people are living in addiction it happens anytime we're covering something up and trying to hide from the rest of the world what we're doing to cope with life could be a financial situation perhaps it's mounting debt that that you can makes you look good on the outside but eventually it'll just catch up to you and everything comes crashing down could be a nervous breakdown it could be one of many different things eventually the truth comes out eventually it reaches a breaking point you know we're we're stub we're a stubborn species are we not it seems like it, it takes a lot for us humans to get to the bottom of ourselves. To get to a place of such humility. You know, my bet is that this tax collector doesn't really pray in this way and then go back to his old ways, only to come back to the temple again next week. You can't be that contrite every week. I bet he changes. He changes his behavior and his attitude. We have seen and we'll see this change of behavior in tax collectors. Next week, we're going to focus on a tax collector who does change his behavior. According to John the Baptist, tax collectors are required to collect no more than is required of them. Somewhere in this tax collector's story, he comes to this realization that he is a sinner. And he confesses that before God. There's just no other way to have this disposition of heart. You can't fake what he's doing. We can fake a lot of things, but I don't think you can fake that kind of contriteness. That, of course, doesn't mean that he isn't going to mess up again. He might need to come back to the temple later to confess other sins or even a relapse. After all, if Jesus commands us to forgive others 70 times 7, Jesus himself is willing to forgive us just as much. Amen. Amen. But it takes a lot to get down to the bottom of our sins. Of course, this other character in the parable is not a tax collector, but a Pharisee. Pharisees are upstanding citizens. They are financially generous. But this Pharisee's goodness is forming a pride that is blocking his ability to be humble before God. For we, too, tend to pile up our own forms of good behavior and righteousness 
for our spiritual resumes. It's really a natural human thing to do. As that resume gets longer, we begin to believe that we are good enough. Or as the Scripture says, we begin to trust in ourselves. That is the temptation. We've been doing this ever since Genesis chapter 3. When Adam and Eve disobey God in the garden. And God comes to Adam and says, hey, what's going on? And Adam says, well, the woman made me do it. That's called justifying oneself. And then he goes to Eve and he says, well, what's the deal here? And Eve says, well, the serpent made me do it. That again is called justifying ourselves. That is the number one human response to our sin is we try to justify ourselves. You can see this in two-year-olds, can you not? it's, It's wired into the sinful DNA that we've inherited. We are self justifying beings. We do not want to admit that we messed up or we did wrong. We will blame, we'll make excuses, we'll point the focus in any other place than to come clean. You know, King David was really good at justifying himself. After committing adultery with Bathsheba and then murdering her husband Uriah, David's heart was not yet pierced with grief until the prophet Nathan tells a parable and tricks him. And then, like a ton of bricks, it just hits him, and he realizes what he has done. Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and the baby ends up dying. And out of his own realization of his brokenness. Here's the king of Israel. The top of the top. The best of the best. Still an example we point toward even 3,000 years later. And he's a broken man. And he knows it. And out of that comes one of the greatest chapters in the whole Bible. Psalm 51 where he says, Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you were justified in your sentence and blameless when you passed judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop. Hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. That's what you call a moment of brokenness, isn't it? The prodigal son was just a few chapters back in the Gospel of Luke here, had a very similar experience. He thought he had it well. He took his part of the inheritance. He went out and was having a great time. Everything seemed to be good. I'm sure there's a lot of self-justifying going on unconsciously, subconsciously, consciously, whatever. 
But that self-indulgent life eventually caved in on itself. This younger son, I believe for him, it was this moment where he was feeding the pigs and the food and the slop he was feeding the pigs. When he himself was so hungry, he wanted to eat that food. It says that he came to his senses. It also says he came to himself. And it's in that moment that he realized, I would rather be a servant in my father's house than be out here on my own. Man, it takes a lot to break us, doesn't it? It had been building up all along. So for us, if this is hard for this son, if this is hard for David, if this is hard for the, the Pharisee, what about us? When is the last time that you felt broken before God? When is the last time that you felt before God, Lord, I, I am a sinner in, the, in need of your mercy and grace. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me. You know, many of us have been told we're special all our lives. After all, God made you special and he loves you very much. I wonder, however, if this way of thinking, as right and true as it is, if that keeps us from coming before God and begging for mercy, for being humble and contrite. Many of us believe that we're good citizens and we pretty much are. Even well respected by those around us. I mean, after all, we're going to church. Amen. Consider this Pharisee who fasts twice a week and tithes on all he has, above and beyond the requirements of the law. By the standards of the world, he was a righteous dude. If you compare him to everyone else, he would have passed the test. He would have been at the top of his spiritual class. The Pharisee's point of reference, however, was not God, but everybody else. Comes and he looks around, he's like, God, I'm so glad I'm better than these guys. On the contrary, the tax collector is comparing himself only to God. This Pharisee's prayer is not the prayer of a broken man, it's not the prayer of a man who is truly and fully honest with himself, it's not the prayer of a man who is honest to God. You know, whatever happened to that tax collector, I think two things had to happen. Somewhere in there, he had an opportunity to see and realize his own brokenness, his own sin, his own need for forgiveness and grace. And somewhere in that broken world that he could see and acknowledge that kind of humble realization had to come into contact with a loving and merciful God. And when those two come together, we have a beautiful thing happening. takes hope and faith in the mercy of God, a forgiving God, a God who wants to forgive us more than we even want to ask. 
a God who wants to meet us in our brokenness. In fact, a God who's probably waiting for us at the bottom of our brokenness. And so when, let me ask you, was the last time you were broken for God? Is your spiritual resume getting in your way? Is all your good behavior getting in the way? Do you see ways in your life that you might be trying to justify yourself? None of us are immune from this. The irony is the better, off we, the better we are, the harder it is to see. Hopefully it doesn't take tragedy in our lives to see this. Hopefully we can humble ourselves instead. And so let's confess today that we have some of that Pharisee in us. And if we have some of that Pharisee in us, and if we're able to confess that, we also know that we have some of that tax collector in us. Like the Pharisee and like the tax collector, we too are a people in need of God's grace. May we find His grace that was poured out for us on the cross. Let us pray. Jesus, we look around and it seems like so many other people have it all together. And I think we're sometimes tempted to pretend that we have it all together. We try to convince the world of that and often we try to convince ourselves of that. But before you, O oh God, all hearts are open. Before you, nothing is hidden. You see everything. Lord, we take our spiritual resumes and we simply lay them down at the foot of your cross. We are grateful that we get to come to church. We're grateful that we get to pray. We're grateful that we get to give. We're grateful for so many good things. We also know that we're broken, that we cannot fix ourselves, that we cannot justify ourselves. And so, Lord Jesus, would you let the work that has happened on the cross be made real for us? Show us that you died on that cross for our sins. Let us be a humble people, O oh God. Let us be a real and authentic people. Lord, let our brokenness meet your mercy. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.